When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your defensive preview of the preseason Panthers defense. This is Brian joined by John as always. John, how are you doing? So Brian, I'm doing good. How are you? Great. Great. We have football right around the corner, though. Fun fact, I uh, thought the first Panthers preseason game was this Saturday, so I was sad to find out it was not this Saturday. <laughs> no, they haven't even played the Hall of Fame game yet. Yeah, um, no, I, I just it just slipped my mind that... uh. The Hall of Fame game is its own week, which is stupid. But the Hall anyway. of Fame game as a thing is stupid. I mean, like the Hall of Fame game is cool as a concept, but that should they shouldn't give the teams a whole extra preseason game. They should just be one of their three. Right. Right. Well, before we get into that, I, we have our OG again on the show, Jackson. Jackson, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks for having me back. Good to have you back on the show. So tell us how, what you think of the Hall of Fame game real quick. Oh, was it Jets at Browns? I yes. Mean, yeah. Uh, the players I'd like to see in that contest probably will not play. But, hey, maybe they will. Maybe Aaron will come out for, you know, Rodgers. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, for a set maybe. I don't know. You know He's not coming. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw, no. I saw the Browns. The Browns aren't even playing their backup quarterback. Like, they're, they're – <laughs> Uh, they, I I can't remember who it was. Uh, who was the quarterback they drafted? Um, Zach Wilson. I thought he was playing. I'm talking about the Browns. He's not on. Oh, the Browns. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. So they have Deshaun Watson and Joshua Dobbs, and they like neither of them are playing. They're like, uh, Kellen Mond's going to get the start, and then Dorian Thompson Rob- Robinson's going to play. So like, oh, okay. like they're they're like they don't even want to get their backups involved in this. That sounds like a thrilling contest to me. <laughs> Yeah. Great way um, to kick off the season. I mean, the the Hall of Fame game is always funny because it's always like everybody's really excited that like football's back and people always put it on, and then it's like the backups playing, you know, a, a competitive football game with like two weeks of practice, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, this sucks," and like yeah. <laughs> doesn't make it through the whole game and like forgets about it for the whole week. Right. Yeah, it's just stupid. I. I don't get it. I I've already, I've had a growing disdain for the preseason ever since I started writing for CSR and doing the social media stuff. And it's just gotten even worse recently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, an, it's an important thing to have, but uh, you know, like I said, it's just dumb that they have to play an extra preseason game. Like why would you're getting punished for no one cares. Just take away one of their, yeah. home, like their preseason games. Right. Well, if I can speak for the fantasy crowd, we're always looking for sleepers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Some some <laughs> wide receiver is going to get have like a ten catch right. game, and then yeah. people are going to be like, "I'm snag him in the fourteenth round," and then he gets cut. I'll be yep. checking out that quarterback. You know, yeah. stash him on my bench. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You just never know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. But. Panthers-related news that will also be a nice transition into uh, reviewing each position. The Panthers signed Deion Jones, former Falcons all, or uh, I should say Pro Bowl linebacker, this week. That was pretty cool. I was I was a fan of that. Yeah, he was. He used to be good. He did used to be good, and then he got <laughs> traded midway through the season last year for no reason to the Browns. Um, and uh, played five games there, started five games there, I should say. Um, it was 
definitely a move that they needed to make because uh, surprisingly one of the biggest losses on the defense this past offseason was losing Corey Littleton, their third string linebacker, because, you know, they don't really have anybody aside from Frankie Lou and Shaq Thompson, who are both good. Um, but yeah, Deion mm-hmm. Jones. Also, fun fact, wearing Brian Burns' old number since Brian Burns went to zero, number zero. Which is oh, going to yeah. be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, overall... Dion, yeah, oh, he, he's only 28 years old. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think he's got a little left in the tank. Well, apparently uh, today he was taking some first-team snaps, so that's always good, even though he probably had no idea what the hell was going on. Um so that's always good. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the linebacker group, obviously Frankie Luvu has turned into the biggest grab that Matt Rule made as a as a head coach. Um, Shaq Thompson, you know, still good. Panthers fans bitched about him being overpaid for a while. Then he took a pay cut. Um, but yeah, behind that, it's just... Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, there's... Yeah, I think the, out, the outside linebacker, like the the... The front half of the linebacker like depth chart, like the starters look really good, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff after that. Yeah, I mean, Camu Grugier Hill was supposed to be their third string guy, and he's basically been like mostly special teamer slash backup his whole career. And you know, your third linebacker is typically a guy you are going to rely on to play a few snaps every game. Um, then beyond that was Brandon Smith, who uh, is another one of those guys, John, that we love to talk about where the Panthers traded up for him. So now everybody hates them. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't like super good as a rookie either. I mean, maybe, I don't know, like I'm trying to be optimistic because of the the athleticism and stuff that he just needed uh, to adjust. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, uh, that's the the risky run being a player that gets traded up for, um, since that's definitely something they can control. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can you 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 know it's kind of what you're asking for. You better you better live up to the to the value of two draft picks. Right. I don't know if we ever heard your thoughts on Mister uh, Mister Brandon Smith there, Jackson. So why don't you uh, lay those um, out? Well. Uh... Head high helps. You got, you know, the athleticism, the size and all that. Um, you know, he could still turn it around, but so far it's, it's not looking like a good move. Um, you know, he got, uh, just really hasn't, you know, played in 12 games, one start, he made eight tackles. <laughs> now, uh, now, yeah. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of analysis there obviously (laughs) it's kind of funny because like when you look at the trade in hindsight it wasn't like you know as bad as a certain other linebacker we'll probably talk about here in the podcast but um they traded away their two fifth round picks to washington for the fourth round the fourth round pick for washington and a sixth round pick so they essentially just swapped some picks around and moved around where they were picking to get him so Regardless, though, he is a guy where there is no loyalty to him from this coaching staff, so there's very much chance that he could get let go, especially with Deion Jones being signed. I think that yeah that makes that fifth linebacker spot all the more uh, interesting. Yeah, just looking, they haven't posted the depth chart yet. No, um, I'll be curious to see where he's at. Yeah, usually I think that they do that like right before the first preseason game. I think. Yeah. Um, and then, and then that's another thing, like the, 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 you know, annual rituals, they post the the first unofficial depth chart and like every rookie is behind the veteran that they're supposed to be better than. And everyone gets mad because they're like, Oh, wh- why, why is, I mean, we already did it with Bryce Young, but they'd be like, why is Jonathan Mingo behind LaVisca Chenault? That's like, he, that's concerning. He should be better than that. It's like, well, they, they always do that. Okay. The unofficial depth chart, the bane of most preseason fans' existence. Yeah. Eh, it's a smart um, coach move, really, just to give the veteran the benefit of the doubt to be, begin with. You know? Right. We just, we just, everybody forgets that every year. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I would think, yeah. So, so what we think you think 
we keep what? How many interior linebackers do you think we keep, Brian? Or Jack? Well, I think it's going to be four or five. I mean, one, one of the variables there is always special teams. So you need right. those guys. So I think I would lean towards more towards five. But based on what I read about Ajiro Evero's defense in Denver and just the general makeup of the linebacker group, it looks like they're never going to have more than like two linebackers on the field at the same time. And obviously Jeremy Chin factors into that conversation as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of difficult, but it's kind of difficult to say. I mean, I think five is where they'll go and that's where I think Brandon Smith fits in. I mean, I can't look at looking at the linebacker group aside from bumper pool with his elite name. I think he should make the team regardless <laughs> Fuck the rest of them, but you know, you know, it's. I think it's going to be five, and then they'll probably keep one or two on practice squad as per usual. So yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think it's like you said. I think it's like probably three or four that you make as like your linebacker rotation, and then mm-hmm. one maybe one is like it makes it as a special teamer. But that that I can't remember who I remember reading that about. But they're like, you get to a point where you're like, when you're doing cutdowns, it there's like, you don't you don't break it down like all right we need seven cornerbacks and four safeties and five linebackers. It's like, all right, we need this many linebackers, this many corners, this many safeties. And we need like six guys for coverage, punt coverage and stuff like that. And the position they play like listed as defensively doesn't really matter. Yep. So. Yep. That's true. What it's worth for what it's worth. The Broncos on their last depth chart last year had four interior linebackers. No, three. They only have three. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're right, and this is a good transition maybe into the edge defender discussion, but there are – they obviously have a lot to do with that as well, and and Frankie Luva will have some kind of factor into that too because he'll likely get snaps on the edge as well. Um, the, edge is, the edge is the position where I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, obviously, Brian Burns is good. Ryan Burns um, feels like he's in where he's supposed to be now. Yeah. But the rest of yeah. it, it, well, it's like, and then Yitur, uh, Yitur Gross Matos is probably like, has been our like number two DN, but I don't, I feel like he's not as good of a fit as like a stand up path, like edge rusher. Yeah. He seems like if he needs to just put on 20 more pounds and be a defensive end, a three, four defensive end. Right. Right. I, you know, he'd be an athletic one for that. Um, right now on like our nickel PFF is showing Marquise Haynes moving in a defensive end. I'm not crazy about that at all. Um, but well, my theory yeah. last year was co-starters between Marquise Haynes and Yudra Gross Matos when they were running a four, three, and that didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but Marquise Haynes definitely showed he was uh, one of the more productive pass rushers on the team. He just didn't get as many snaps as you'd hope. But, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, last year was a career year for him. So, as a pass rusher on the outside, that might work out to his benefit. Yeter Gross Matos is just very much the guy I don't really know what to expect from, basically. Um, And then, obviously, the Panthers drafted, again, another hated player, DJ Johnson. They traded up to get him. They traded away late round picks to make their draft even smaller. And uh, he supposedly was the guy that did a lot of the things they're looking for. I think that's more of the like setting the edge type stuff because that's yeah. definitely something they're lacking there. Um, but yeah. yeah, overall, just a lot of question marks. And it's going to come down to execution at that point, I think. Yeah, I- I've looked at tape of him now and I like the pick. I don't think he has a lot of potential, his size, and he is. He's very active motor type of guy. Um, and I think the way Oregon used him uh, is similar to what we should be doing with him. Which was what, like, just moving him around? And I I know he played, like, every different position possible at different points in his career. So he isn't super experienced for an old draft pick. Right. That Exactly. That he could play in a different, you know, uh, He's not set to one defense like the nickel or the base. He can mm. move around in different spots, um, almost like a rover. Not that we would play that, but um, yeah. Now that I've watched a lot of tape on him, I, I, I like it. I really hadn't heard of him, looked at him prior to the draft. Um, 
or even until we talked about him last week and I was looking at him, I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah, take a look at this guy. It's funny so, because... Yeah, go okay, ahead. Okay, no, well, good. I was just going to say he... Uh, I looked at his draft profile from NFL.com. I want to say it was Lance Zerline who did it, but it might have been somebody else. But they actually got him right where they project where that particular profile projected him to go. Hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I remember reading all these things about how it was a reach and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that before the draft, that particular profile, which I know, not to say that, you know, NFL.com is infallible or anything like that, but the fact that they got him right where they expected, where he would have been expected to go by that particular analyst is interesting. Yeah. He was projected round three to four and they got him in the, you know, middle of the third round. Like that. Yeah. Fits. We're not real deep at outside linebacker. Honestly, I, we only have six on the roster at the moment. I really thought we'd have at least that are called that. And you know, one's an uh, UD uh, undrafted uh, Iku Leota out of Auburn, mm-hmm. but you know, basically you got Burns, uh, YGM Haynes, the rookie DJ, and the, oh, the one holdover Amari Barno, who yeah, if you recall he was like a preseason darling last year. And then I think he had one good game during the season. He made a play or something. He didn't really get a um, lot of snaps, but he did. He did have the one game where he showed out as a pass rusher. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he had like I think he got didn't he get both of his sacks in the same game? I want to say that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, um, very fast. Yes. Four, three, six, and tall. Yeah, <laughs> no, he didn't get both his sacks in yeah, the same six, game. Six, six. Yeah, but he yeah. had a sack in the last game of the season. And then he had a sack against the the Bengals, which was probably in garbage time. But I just remember his last game of the season was the one where we were like, "Whoa, where did this guy come from?" Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, nope. I mean, it's the same thing with uh Brandon Smith, where it's like, you know, there's there sometimes sometimes players aren't good right away, and they need to you know get like develop physically or adjust to that, the difference in, especially I think sometimes like people don't maybe like or underestimate how difficult it is to go from being far and away the best athlete on the field to being just a little bit more athletic than everybody where like you gotta you gotta really like iron out like finer details that maybe didn't matter as much before like or especially in a case like like amare barno where now he's like his skill set is a speed rusher in the nfl where maybe when he was in college he could do whatever whatever he wanted really against the athletes he was going up against so right so yeah yeah but yeah, uh, it feels like I mean I think this is the case for most positions, but um, the you know the 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 group seems pretty set, right? With with Burns, Gross, uh, Gross Matos, Haynes, Johnson, and then and Barno probably all pretty safe, and I don't know how much more room there is for anybody else. No, I mean the only reason that they move on from that would be if they sign some of the like Yannick Ngakwe, which at that point I would think that Yeter Gross Matos is gone, but they seem steadfast in keeping what they have around anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of signings, I wish you'd just go ahead and sign Brian Burns to a long-term contract. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Let's take that pressure off a little bit. Motivation. Just because yeah. you know, make make sure make sure make sure he proves it. Make, make sure it's real. Well, one of the things with Brian Burns is that, and I see it a lot all the time on the internet, is that he does he only he had like what twelve sacks last year, mm-hmm. and everyone looks at that and they're like, well, he doesn't deserve to get the same kind of money as like you know Nick Bosa or the other linebackers who have more sacks. But he was fourth in the NFL in pressures. Yeah, which, which is, is good. Which is like the story of his career to this point, but it's not. It's not like I mean, like you'd like to see him convert the more of those into sacks, but like if you're one of the best in the league in pressures and you're still getting twelve sacks, like you're you're fine. You're doing you're doing really well. And he made the Pro Bowl two years in a row. I mean, he's not Julius Peppers by any means, so he's not going to go run over, you know, an All Pro offensive tackle who's like super strong, like with a speed with a with a strength rush you know he's yeah. he's a speedy he's a speedy guy he's he's definitely added some he's definitely added some moves as far as like the power rush and whatnot but he's just not big enough to do that so 
you know, yeah. still an elite pass rusher, though, I would say. I mean, at least if we're talking like top 10, you know, yeah, which you need those. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, I would love to see him add a tomahawk chop to his arsenal just from Julius Peppers, you know, the, yeah. the, <laughs> the chop, you know, uh, knock the ball loose, then fall on it type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to move them back to some stats here. Who do you think is the highest graded Panther on PFF defense? The highest graded PFF Panther on defense. Yeah, uh, like you, Boo Boo. JC Horn. Nope. Derek Brown. It is Derek Brown. Oh. And it's not even close. Really? Like, yeah, he's at a 84, and the closest is Shaq Thompson at 70. No, I'm sorry, Frankie Louvo at 74. Horn, 71. Um, yeah, just he's he's like – he's, they got him the seventh-ranked defensive tackle. So, And I think he's primed for a big year, even though he looked fantastic last year, that he could be even better, particularly if – He's not on the field as much, meaning you know the, the offense is chewing up time. And he's a, got more rounding, you know. He he's a good another I mean he's a good example of what I was just talking about with like kind of giving players some time because he wasn't you know he, he yeah. was probably overdrafted as a defensive tackle when we drafted him. And then I think that gets extra frustration gets kind of comes out when you overdraft a defensive tackle that's not a pass rusher, and then they're not super good right away. But like yeah. now, he's an elite, you, you know, uh, block eating, run stopping defensive tackle. So yeah. there's there's a chance. What he took a big leap last year from his his first two years, little improvement, average player, and then last year he just really jumped up. Right. Um, I think he's going to be awesome in a 3-4 in the base defense when he's at end and he's not more like the nose guard in a 4-3. So that's really kind of what he was playing last year. Um, and still, you know, got a lot of pressure. And Let me see. How many sacks did he have? One. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Yep. He just had one sack last year. Yeah, he did. But he had, he had 12 not quarterback hits. Yeah. So which is which is very good, but still, but yeah, only one. But he was more of that eat up the blockers run stuffer, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he was kind of miscast at that position, um, yeah. because that was he's he's very disruptive. I mean, we saw him over the last couple seasons where there were games where he was taking over, um, but when you're putting a guy like that in a position where he has to take on the majority of the like the offense is basically designing a lot of their schemes around blocking him, of course he's not going to be as successful. Where him as an edge guy, or I should say defensive end in the 3-4, I do see him being a little bit more productive. And uh, you have – you they signed a lot of beef to just, like, kind of throw in there, and they still have Marquand McCall as well, who's a big fucking boy. Um, so, overall, I mean, I think this is going to be, like you guys said, this is going to be the season where we see a lot more out of him just because he's going to be in a position where he's going to have more chances to get after the quarterback and be more disruptive and less of a space eater. Right. I, um, yeah. And I'm interested to see like last time we've had, I feel like the Panthers have had good success with like veteran stopgap defensive tackles, like somewhat recently. So I'm interested to see how like having shy Tuttle and Marquand McCall and then kind of like Deshaun Williams, how those guys, you know, if they if they open things up for Derek Brown to be more more disruptive and less of a like you know almost like a role player in a sense defensively. Well, I think they went out and got Shy Tuttle very early for a reason too. I don't know if he's going to be. I think he's going to be a lot a lot more involved. Probably play as many snaps as Brown does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the rest of those guys. I mean, they've they just kind of like added a bunch of beef there they've been churning the roster out as you guys probably saw this week they let go of Brevion Roy um they added LeBron Ray um they added Nick Thurman so they're kind of just it seems like they're kind of just uh R.I.P. churning the depth chart yeah (laughs) Brevion Roy yeah 
You think One they of the last like holdovers? I was gonna say, do you think they like when they they have like a when they're like look at reviewing the roster, they got like a little tag on their name, <laughs> like this is like a little like a little rule tag, like this is these are the guys that like were here before. Or, or Just we're so you know, you don't owe this guy anything. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess like there's a couple that were here before rule, like uh, Brian Burns. Is that the same year we hired rule? No, no, Burns was before. a few years before that. Yeah. Okay. So like Burns and and Shaq and uh, so and like Moten and some of those guys like before Rule, but like yeah, they have like special type for guys that were brought in specifically during that tenure. Yeah, I think the last guy left at this point is is uh, Sam Franklin from the Baylor slash Temple group. Or just like you mean, just from like the Baylor Temple guys, not necessarily yeah. guys that were brought in during that time. Yeah. I mean, like I I don't really label people that he brought in all together as the Matt Rule holdovers. It's more so the guys where it's like right. they were from Baylor and Temple, and it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> right. Let's see. Right. There's uh, well, Mark Milton, but he was... He was drafted. Sam, or, but he drafted was drafted this year. year. Sam Tecklenburg? Yeah. he's the he, he and Sam Franklin are the last two. The Sams. Yep. <laughs> the dual Sams. That's, that's, that's the trick. So... You mentioned Marquand McCall. Yep. Which is P- PFF doesn't have him as a starter at the moment. I guess they're just probably going by uh, years. Shy Tuttle's got five years. And McCall's his second year out of Kentucky. He is a big boy, though, 345. <laughs> Tuttle's only 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah we're, so. we're, we're a little small uh, in the front, like on the front. The starters are uh, – on the defensive line yeah. for a three, four, um, like traditionally speaking, I don't know if that's really important as important anymore with, you know, the way the league is now, but like Browns, yeah. like Derek, there's shy titles, only 300 pounds. Um, Derek Brown's not too much over 300 pounds. And then Deshaun Williams, I think is, I think they're all like right around 300. Yeah. They got him at three, 320. Yeah. Brown's at 320. Uh, Mark Juan McCall's at 345. So I think those are your, your guys for the big boy packages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the hefty package. Six three three forty five. That's a big boy. Henry Anderson came back as well. Um, right, as another three four defensive end. So I mean, it just seems like they're just going to throw a lot of things at the wall and see what sticks. Which is fine. I think that's that's. I think that's the whole defense this year. Like, there's it's like Brian Burns, and then I don't know if you call Frankie Luvu and Shaq Thompson if they're quite that level of like. No, not at all. But well, no, I know Burns is the best, but like mm-hmm. it's kind of like Brian Burns, and then a bunch of like is everybody else kind of like we talked about with the receivers last week, like just like not bad enough to be good as a unit, right? Right. Like you know, you know who gets who's who gets like a hot hand as much as you can on def- defense, but like who's who's like playing well, kind of see who's uh winning their matchups or has like an advantage and stuff like that, and kind of. Ride that out and hope the depth kind of wins out over like top end talent. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And again, and again, it's not, it's entirely possible that they go out and get somebody else to add, not just at the outside position or the linebacker position, but even at the defensive line level position. They're, they're clearly looking for talent there since, as evidenced by their multiple moves this week. So. Is it so? Is it just me, or more and more are teams like are general like average NFL players becoming more like expendable, or is it just me just kind of noticing it more? Where like guys like like Deion Jones being an example of guys that are like not bad players, but they're not rookies, and they just they just hang linger out in free agency longer than it used to. I feel like there's more like names so to speak in free agency like more and more each year than there used to be yeah i I think it's because of their early success they price themselves out of those third contracts yeah you know where when they start to when they play starts to decline a little bit that yeah right you know i mean they run the 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 actuatorials like life insurance people oh they're all over (laughs) the nfl you know, as far yeah. as oh, he's he's twenty eight and ten months, he's about to have a decline. <laughs> well, I thought that when you said that about uh, Deion Jones, like he's only twenty eight. I'm like, I don't know, he's 
<laughs> if you're not an elite player, once you've hit the late twenties, you're like on the downhill, on the downslope. Because um, of all you nerds, probably you true. Inside, Sean. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's. I mean, to an extent, though, I think it's like a, a like allocation of resources thing, right? Where it's like, uh, and I think this is a, a, a lot of sports, but like teams, I think are maybe finding it better if you have like just like using regular like numbers, like ten. 10 really high price players that are really, really good. And then the rest of the roster is like filler as opposed to having like three players that are really, really are like five players that are really, really high paid. And then like a bunch of mid tier players, you know what I mean? Like you, you gain more ground by having more elite players than you do by having like thinner depth than you lose. If you can avoid the injury bug. Yeah. If you can avoid the injury bug. Yeah. Like it's, that's, that's the, the chance you take is like, I'd rather have more superstars, even if my depth is worse than it is, than have like three superstars and a bunch of depth. Cause you know, the depth is always going to lose to the superstars unless the superstars get hurt. So. Yep. Yeah. I was thinking we had a, a, a middle-aged secondary. Now you're making me think they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier Woods and Bell are both 28. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know if they can keep up with those young guys running around up there. <laughs> Brian, are you going to be running Brian, do you like our secondary? You're a big secondary guy, and we've invested pretty heavily in the secondary. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. Um, I'm surprised that people are making it out to be bad. Like, not that it's like super good, but like, and maybe it's just me being the me, me maybe it's just me like work like you know going on CSR and reading takes and stuff from our fans and <laughs> listeners. But I look at the secondary and I see. Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn, I know uh, everybody's blowing up the fact that they're injury-prone. Um, Jackson is back. He seems like he's fine. J.C. Horn is back. He seems like he's fine. Love those two as starters. I mean, I know Jackson has has had his ups and downs, but Henderson, Keith Anderson have both been had a very good camp recently. And I know with C.J. Henderson's kind of a broken record because last year he had a really good camp, and then, you know, he surrendered like three touchdowns to Mike Evans in one game. Um, but looking at the depth that they have at corner, um, I mean, you know, that they add Eric Rowe, so he's going to factor into that conversation with the nickel. They drafted Jamie Robinson, who I really like, and he's probably going to factor into the nickel corner conversation. So at that point, you're looking at the top four corners and they have to figure out how to field for only two positions, really, if you have those two dedicated to nickel. And Jeremy Chin factors into that conversation as well, which I don't think is talked about enough because Jeremy Chin playing like a box safety or like a heavy nickel type guy, that means that he's taking that off the plate of somebody else in the secondary. Um, And with their safeties, I mean, I just like what they've done with the safeties. I mean, Eric Rowe can play safety. Von Bell's been fine throughout his career. I think Xavier Woods is highly underrated. Um, He's just not the type of guy who gets a a ton of picks. Um, I mean, if the front seven works itself out, I mean, I could see the secondary being just fine. I think so, too. I mean, I, I know it's against what I just said, but, like, the Panthers are trying, I think, building by trying to make the roster as strong as possible top to bottom until they can fill out with the the elite talent. And, like, I think the secondary looks like the most complete group, especially if J.C. Horn becomes, like, is as good as we think he can be. Right. Oh, no, he is as good as we as we know he. Yeah, he is but then he stays on the field, NBA, right? But it's just a matter of him staying healthy and Dante Jackson staying healthy, and I think that's why fans are so kind of like skittish about it, mm-hmm. is because they expect them to get injured, and I get that. But looking at it on paper, I mean, yeah, if you look at it on paper and you eliminate the injury risk, which I know is kind of like moving the goalposts a little bit, but they can be okay. Um, they still need to see C.J. Henderson progress a little bit, but. You know, overall, I like what they have. They got Rajon Wright, who a lot of people had marked as a uh, a mid round pick in the as a as a corner. He seems fine. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. I don't. I feel like you can't like if they just took all that. If they just started loading the barracks with guys who were starter level in the corn, like four starter level corners at least, like and paid them like starter level corners, then you don't have the flexibility to go out and get guys like Deion Jones, you know, so. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I feel I almost I don't know I feel almost better about the secondary than I do any other like full position group. Um, just in terms of like you know, like I said, J.C. Horn is a is a shutdown corner, and then Dante Jackson's a very good number two corner, and then the depth is fine. Like obviously, you don't want Keith Taylor and uh, C.J. Anderson out there a lot, but they've they've had moments. And then with Chin, Woods, and Bell, and then maybe and hopefully Jamie Robinson, like and Eric Rowe, kind of in that safety nickel, different positions, like an in, interior part of the secondary. Like everyone, there's no like weak link really, like significantly. Obviously, there are some players that are worse, but this is football. You can't have good players at every single position. It's kind of how the sport works, right? And I would agree with I, I I agree with that. It's one of those things where, when it comes to replacing uh, guys who get injured, it's just you you have to, you you can have a contingency plan, but you can't just plan on guys being injured, especially you know with this patchwork, with this coach. I shouldn't say patchwork, but this coaching staff coming in and inheriting a, a pretty good defense on their own. Um, you know there will there will be injuries and if they need to find other corners, there's plenty on the market right now. I mean, you know, it's not like they can't find one. If somebody gets hurt, it's not like they're all going to get sniped off the market, especially the guys who are looking for starter money. Like, you know, you can throw them a few million dollars for a one year deal. If you really need to replace Dante Jackson or JC Horn, which by the way, I just want to get into a real quick point about JC Horn. I remember reading a bunch of takes on the internet that he was super injury prone and we can't depend on him and blah, blah, blah after he was put in a walking boot, um, which by the way, the reporters said he would be recovered by training camp, which he is um, before mini camps where he was held out of the, the, you know, the pre preseason stuff. And that dude didn't have an injury history coming out of college. He broke his foot in a freak injury, uh, his rookie season that happens. It just happens to players. People get hurt. Um, and then last season, he played every game up until that Lions game, which, we're not, which now we know the turf was super, super rough. We've heard complaints from the Lions players, the Lions fans about that game in the pan, uh, in Carolina where it was a lot colder than it ever should have been. Um, and obviously, you know, that's an argument against the turf, but we don't have to get into that today. Um, he broke his wrist, and even if – if the Panthers somehow made the playoffs after that, there was talk that he could come back. So I just don't understand where all of a sudden JC Horn is made of glass. I don't know, he got hurt two years in a row. I don't care. I don't, don't come at me with like the, the significance of the injuries. I just like binary injured. Yes or no. There's two yeses on, on, on the, on the list. It's just very weird to me. Cause it's not like it's a soft tissue injury where he's like had a nagging hamstring since he became an NFL player. Uh, right. It's not like he tore the same muscle and in the same leg or anything like that. He broke his foot and he broke his wrist. And even with the wrist injury, he could have been back like two or three weeks later if they really needed him to, which obviously they didn't because, you know, CJ Henderson got his lunch eaten by Mike Evans. But regardless, it's just one of those things where I don't understand why we all of a sudden have to look at it with that negative cloud of like, Oh, well he's not going to be back. So we need to be, we need to sign a bunch of players that can play for that. It's like, really? Cause JC Horn is the best corner we have. And he's one of the best in the NFL already. And he's only been in the league for two years. What, uh, did we ever get any more clarification on what injury he had during OTAs other than it was an ankle injury? Like he very easily could have just like twisted an ankle. Right. Like it was some kind of foot injury that happened not on the field. Is yeah, all but we I don't know. know like what it was, right? I saw. No, I mean they, they were cryptic about it. I mean the reports said that he was going to be back, which you know should be enough, but because it, we're it, yeah, but like, that's my thing. We're like he could have just twisted his ankle. He could have just like stepped on a foot or just like rolled his ankle. And uh, professional athletes get put in a walking boot for like literally any lower like foot discomfort. So like that's not doesn't really mean anything significant. So like, yeah, and like it's doesn't make it's not like JC Horn is you know bad or someone who really needs seasoning. Like we saw the games he played, even his rookie season, he was getting graded as one of the better corners in the NFL. Uh, last year he was rated as one of the better corners in the NFL. So it's not like him missing minicamp snaps is going to change much. I just yeah, don't get it. 
No, I think it'll be fine. I, and like nothing's been serious. I mean, the foot, the broken foot was bad, but like these last two things are minor. And like I said, like the broken wrist is whatever. Like upper body injuries to players on the outside are like complete non-factors, like long term. And then if the ankle thing was that minor, where it got like no coverage or didn't cause any real significant missed time, he probably like I said, he probably just like tweaked his ankle and like had to shut it down for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he played, what, 13, 14 games last year without a problem 13, with the foot? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's just stupid. I don't understand it. Like, Dante Jackson, I get it because he's been – because it's always been weird with him. And it's, in, this is, what, you know, his fifth year with Carolina at this point. So, actually, no, I guess this would be his sixth year because he signed it. It'll he, be his sixth year. Yeah, he re-signed. So, I get it with him, but with J.C. Horn, it's two seasons. Just for but life. Jackson's also not really missed that much time. Yeah, he missed the he, he last year was the torn Achilles, right? Yeah, which which yeah. I understand the skepticism with that kind of injury because right. that's a big fucking deal. But prior where, to that, but yeah. prior to that, he missed zero, three, two, four games. Like, yeah, that's that's yeah. normal stuff. Anything you'd like to add to that, Jackson? I heard heard you chiming well, in a little bit. Well, he <clears throat> he. Uh, Honestly, he's much better at run support than he is coverage, unfortunately. And he has a lot of speed, but he's also got burned a lot. So I mean, his his performance hasn't been the greatest. So I get why some people are down on him and we're surprised we re- re-signed him. Um, oh, I totally get that uh, part. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, talking about Dante Jackson, of course. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for J.C. Horn, it's just about the injuries, you know, if, um he just got to stay on the field more. So, and it, they do seem the freak of nature type injuries. And of course I you know, made it clear. I just don't like the Panthers moving away from grass at all anyway. So I'm always going to blame the turf when it happens. I think everybody's in agreement there. No one likes it. Yeah, yeah. No, to- totally, totally in agreement there with you. hundred yeah. percent. Like literally, literally no one likes it like none of the players like it none of the fans like it the only like entity that's like pushing for the turf is like the organization and like david tepper right because it makes it easier to maintain and you can then use it in the off season for other things and not worry about the turf getting torn up (laughs) which is wild to me that like a multi-billion dollar organization's like "Ah, i don't want to have to spend money to take care of the grass Right. Not even just a multi-billion-dollar organization, but one of the richest owners in the NFL yeah. is doing that. It's not even like it's yeah. a cash-strapped owner where right. he's got all his money locked up in like real estate and shit. Like he has the money. I don't understand. Right. I know. Well, like the <laughs> soccer team's having that fight too. Like you know that there is like concern that uh, now that Lionel Messi's in the MLS that he's only going to play on grass fields. So they're like, are you going to put grass in the stadium for that game just to be sure? And they're like, nah. <laughs> Turf is fine. I should. Tepper what, wiped his ass with $5 million down in Rock Hill, didn't he? So, you know, <laughs> he should be able to... <laughs> you just use that money for the turf. Yeah, right, right. So if I can segue then to Jeremy Chin, um, where, he's supposed to be in the secondary, right? A box safety. What, you know, they, they're going to move him out of linebacker, particularly in this lineup. He certainly doesn't fit at linebacker now. So why sign Von Bell? You know, um, right now in PFF, on the the nickel defense, he's in there, but in the base, Chin is on the bench. And I just, you know, I just question that. The guy, he's such a good athlete. I get his PFF grade ain't the greatest at 55, but, you know, we all seen the plays he makes. It's just like, where where is he going to be on the field? What do you think? I think um, you go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, John. No, you go ahead. No, you, you're you're <laughs> well, out. Well, I was gonna say, I feel like it's kind of like we talked about, just like I don't know, just get good players. And I th- I think um, in terms of like uh, you know, actually, I have my phone is ringing. Great podcasting, but I have to take it. So all you, Brian. No, no problem, buddy. I'll take it over. No problem. <laughs> um, so my so number one PFF with their whatever depth chart projections that's that just doesn't that doesn't run with me 
Um, yeah. It's very clear to me that what they're doing is they're going to move Jeremy Chin around and have him kind of play more of a hybrid type role. Um, I very much think what we're going to see is like nickel type uh, defenses, which as you, as you may know, you know, nickel, nickel defense is pretty much like the bulk of what defenses do anymore in the NFL. Um, so what I, what I see them doing, and I think that's what I've seen reported is they'll have him more closer to the line of scrimmage. So I could see him being nickel linebacker, you know, just straight up linebacker or like a safety playing up there. I don't think it's that Von Bell's replacing him. I just think that they signed another safety so that they don't need Jeremy Chin to just do your traditional safety stuff anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I'd say he, he lined up mostly in uh, a slot corner last year. Yeah. So, you know, you're right. If we end up going running a nickel, which it seems that's pretty much, you're right, at the base defense these days, um, then that, you know, that's where he slots in there as that fifth defensive back. It makes sense then. Well, it, it also works in the sense that Frankie Louvu will also move around quite a bit because he, he was uh, – taking snaps at the edge at times last year where he was rushing the passer. So at that point you could sub like, especially in passing situations where there's maybe one running back behind the line of scrimmage and five uh, offensive linemen, you know, then you slide Jeremy Chin in there as like a linebacker next to Shaq Thompson. You have Frankie Louver rushing off the edge. Then all of a sudden, you know, it's not as big of a deal. And I, I do think we're going to see a lot of those like, exotic schemes where we'll have like, you know, Brian Burns and Marquise Haynes rushing from the interior in passing situations. So I'm not really concerned about Von Bell replacing Jeremy Chin as much as just, I think it's going to be fun to watch what they're going to do with Jeremy Chin. Cause I think it's going to be a fun, a fun chess piece to, uh, to watch and really, especially early in the season when teams don't know what the fuck we're doing with them. But I mean, I could be wrong, but that's kind of how that's kind of how I've I've interpreted it is just that they're going to make him be the the special chess piece he's supposed to be because pigeonholing him at safety didn't seem to work last year. But I don't know. What are your thoughts, buddy? I agree. Uh, you know, it, it does seem that's that's the route they're going because otherwise the Von Bell signing doesn't really make sense, right? Um, you know, so. Um, he could be a blitzer too. We saw he's effective at that. Um, so interesting uh, puzzle piece the our new DC has to work with there. <clears throat> and that's one of those things that I really love about what they've assembled right now is that JC Horn, I don't know if you know this, but JC Horn was actually highly rated as a blitzer as well um, over the last couple seasons. So I like the fact that they have guys like him. They have guys like Jeremy Chin where they can just kind of send them on a blitz randomly and you can actually expect some decent results there. Um, I remember the one interception, I forget who got it, but JC Horn jumped like fucking 15 feet in the air to make the quarterback throw the ball like super high in the air where it, it kind of like ducked down and the, and the cornerback picked it off. Like I like that kind of stuff. I see where, I see where a guy like Ajiro Evero can really use those those guys who are good at blitzing to kind of just put them in a position to succeed, even if they're not in coverage. So I'm very excited about the secondary in that sense. Yep. Same here. Yeah. Do you ever get to watch any film on Jeremy Robinson? No, I have not. Well, just to give you my little rundown on him, that dude is a savage fucking tackler. <laughs> yeah. Um, not the best in coverage by what I saw of just the, the very brief amount of film that I watched, but he is a hitter, and that's the kind of guy I like for a nickel corner. I mean, we remember guys like Captain Munerlin where he would blitz off the edge, and he could be a factor in that, in that front, even being a smaller guy. Um, I like him a lot. I, I like Eric, what I saw from Eric Rowe in Miami. Um, as far as being those like edge defensive backs who can do a lot of different things. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited just to see what, how they deploy it. I don't know how it's going to work in execution just because even though I'm higher on the secondary than, you know, probably the large majority of Panthers fans, I do see a scenario where we're 
sitting there being like that, like what the hell are they doing if the guys don't perform? So it's going to be very interesting there. Happy they got Sam Franklin back though, because he was very good. At least as yeah. far as special teams goes. But would, would whole, you like to? Do, oh, sorry. I'd say that whole when you said how much he rushes, I I had to look that up. So it looks like he came at the horn, led the secondary, our secondary, with seventeen. Yep. Blitzes. Oh, it was great. So, yeah. I loved it. It was it was amazing because he's tall as shit too. So even if like he didn't get after the passer, you know, he jumped in the air because he's a high level athlete yeah. and you you know he jumped in the air and the cornerback had to the quarterback had to figure out how to get the ball around him <laughs> like you know yeah. that big big fast lanky guy like yeah yeah that was one of the more surprising stats that I saw not surprising from the eye test but just like once I saw PFF and whatever assemble their evaluation for it to actually like match up to the eye test was surprising yeah Six one, long arms. That's why he was so highly rated. Yeah, one of the highest rated uh, relative athletic scores we've ever seen at corner. If you followed that, Kent Lee Platty we had on the show one time. He does the relative athletic score, and yeah, his his relative athletic score uh, scores were off the fucking charts. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to see if I can find it real quick, but you can just Google JC Horn RAS and it'll pop up. I'm back, by the way. Good to have you back, John. Um, oh, you guys missed me. <laughs> JC Horn is a nine point nine nine. Yep. Wow. Ranked number two out of seven one thousand seven hundred eighty four cornerbacks from nineteen eighty seven to twenty twenty one. In other words, Josh Norman with uh, with um, Deion Sanders athleticism is what we yeah we deemed. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's why I'm always here to stand for J.C. Horn because I still love that pick regardless of the fact we didn't get Justin Fields. <laughs> right. I mean, Bryce Young can make everybody forget about that. Right. Exactly. This it all true. worked out. It all worked out. I had it in my head. It's fine. <laughs> We're just going to – we all knew it back in 2021. We're just going to be bad for two more years, and we're going to trade up to number one to draft a foot ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. And everybody exactly. will be happy. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to franchise left tackle along the way as well. Right. The mm-hmm. Rock, Matt Rule knew he had botched the quarterback pick, so uh, he just passed. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'll let someone else that knows what they're doing take care of this part. <laughs> he really he really thought Sam Darnold was his answer. <laughs> hey, Sam Darnold's that, apparently better than Trey Lance. I know. Isn't that crazy. Yep. It's amazing how the NFL works in that way. <laughs> um I guess we might as well touch on it while we're here. Um special teams. Yeah, so that's, that's looking that's, pretty good. It's an important side of the ball. Yeah. Both sides. Um, so obviously we got JJ Jansen back, Panthers legend, most veteran Panthers player of all time. By the way, just he's so going to be know. pretty close to being double the veteranship of the, the next closest person on the team, right? Uh, yeah. It's in terms of Panthers tenure. Oh yeah. Nah, I, I don't think that's true. Um. Fuck, Colin Jones was around here for like eight goddamn. I'm talking seasons. about like no, like actively like currently on the roster. Oh well, yeah, definitely. Then yeah, like the next. Like it's like Jack yeah. Thompson. Then yeah, you're so right. I'm, right, that's what I mean. Um, yeah, 16 years all on the Panthers, or pretty much all on the Panthers. Jack Thompson's nine, so yeah, he's almost double, doubled up. Mm-hmm. Panthers tenure of every active other active Panther. Yep. And then we shockingly retained Eddie Pinier. Well, I shouldn't say shockingly because he kind of he he definitely earned it, but uh, right. retained Eddie Pinero over Zane Gonzalez. 
And if I'm not mistaken, Pinheiro had like one of the best PAT percentages of all kickers last year. And maybe even field goal percentages. Yeah, he had one of the best field goal percentages. It was he was just yeah. all around really good, which it was like like wild after the the kicking not like issues that the Panthers have had the last couple of years. Uh ever since the whole Graham Gano Harrison Bucker debacle that we've talked about too much. Um like the fact that they've like stumbled into having two really good kickers in a row, like really a reversal of fortune there. Yeah. It's very interesting that that happened. Cause I mean, for a while there, once Graham, you know, suffered whatever injury, then we were just kind of like circling through kickers, you know, cause they just cursed us after Harrison Butker, that whole right. debacle. I don't even want to get into it. Um, <laughs> Eddie Pinheiro but... was second in the NFL in field goal percentage but the person he was behind Cameron Dicker who was 21 of 22 which is a pretty low number Mm -hmm. um so of the 22 22 kickers that kicked at least 30 field goal attempts he was number one in terms of field goal percentage yep I'm sure he'll fall off a cliff next year after we hitched our wagon our uh, wagon to him so yeah, yeah, I'm, would be... I'm still pi- I'm still pissed about Harrison Bucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, it's amazing yeah. how it's amazing how they made the Galaxy brand move to get a kicker like that at such a low draft pick, and then they were just like, you know what, you're gone. Yes, that, that part actually is what drove me the, the maddest about it. Is I was totally like, oh well, Gano's out of here. You know, they spent a draft pick on him. There's no way. <laughs> they got him. I'm just like, what? And then the worst part was after that, once we let Graham Gano go, Graham Gano was also one of the most successful kickers in the NFL with the Giants. So yeah. it was just a double, it was just a double, double punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We yep. had two really good kickers and cut both of them. Because, <laughs> you know, they're a dime a dozen. You get one of those yeah. with a running back, you know, as a, right. like a side of fries. So. <laughs> right. But hopefully this one stays good. Um, I wish he had a stronger leg, but I don't know. It's probably more important that he just makes all his kicks that he's trotted out there for, right? Yeah. Right. Well, this isn't the Ron Rivera era, so hopefully we're not attempting 63-yard kicker kicks. I, I don't right? know. I did I did enjoy just trotting out Joey slide like once a week to try a 60-yard field goal just for, for kicks, literally kicks, <laughs> and it never working. <laughs> he's still in the league, though, ain't he? I thought I saw. Oh, I mean, Ron Rivera. As long as Ron Rivera is in the league, Joey Sly is <laughs> going to be in the league. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Let me look real quick. He no, is, he's on the Commanders. Uh, he's still on the Commanders. Wow, that's what, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, Jack. It, though, other than that, I mean, remember the Panthers would keep two kickers when they had John Casey. That's how. Oh, Reese you know. Lloyd, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. The pudgy Just one guy that all he did was kick off. Yeah, the easiest job in the NFL yeah. history, I think. <laughs> he literally could grab his tee and run off the side of the field. <laughs> yep. I never thought I'd speak Reese, Reese Lloyd's name again, so I appreciate <laughs> that, Jackson. You're welcome. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, before we. Uh, transition off the podcast is there anything else we want to discuss about the defense uh no i'm all set i hit my uh johnny hecker is still good high points that's cool too oh yeah johnny hecker's yeah best signing they made all last season that's probably that's the extent of my analysis there (laughs) (laughs) it's very good thanks and he'll be better when an offense when they have an offense that's not piloted by baker mayfield and Sam Darnold, hopefully, with the asterisk, hopefully. Oh, but they're going – the Bucks are going to the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. Yep. <laughs> I'm excited for that uh, <laughs> reunion. Uh, I think uh, Kyle Trask's chances of starting are looking pretty good by, what, week four? <laughs> is that is it that quick? <laughs> yeah. I'd give it to, like, week eight. Week eight? Yeah, I mean, they, it's oh, not. What? We don't play. We don't play the Buccaneers till the week thirteen. So, yeah, oh, they have they have time to figure out what's going on there. Right. 
Right. Um, but yeah, my last little point, I figured I'd just uh, ask you guys who you're uh, most excited about after, because you know, it's, it's training camp. So there's always those training camp darlings, the Armani Edwards of the world where uh, the media is hyping them up and we're all excited for them. Uh, so who's, who are you guys excited the most about um, as far as just the training camp, uh, you know, stories that we've been reading? And I can start first if you need a second to think. Go, go ahead. I mean, I brought him up earlier, but Keith Taylor, I mean, showing out against a guy like Bryce Young with how good he as with how good his mentals are, how good his uh, processing is. The fact that he's been having a really good camp is optimistic to me. I think it's a different situation from C.J. Henderson, where C.J. Henderson was a plus athlete, um, where Hen- uh, Keith Anderson very much is not. So for him to have it's a really Keith good Taylor. camp. Keith Taylor. You've said you've called him the wrong name like twice. God now. damn it, Keith Taylor. I'm so sorry. Um, you, called him, you called him something else earlier, too. I don't yeah. remember what it was. Keith Taylor. Keith Taylor. Trailer. No, Keith Taylor. Um, he's not a plus athlete by any means where CJ Henderson is. So I like Keith Taylor a lot. And I think that he will factor into the cornerback rotation this year. Um, especially if they're going to be zone heavy, which I think that's what going to be a lot of what Ejiro Evero does at least early on. So Keith Taylor having himself a great camp. I'm happy to see it. And hopefully he can catch an interception because in college he didn't catch a single one. <laughs> one of these days yeah one of these days i get you i'm just gonna say bryce young i know that's like a super easy answer but i mean like he's he's been like getting all the hype so now i like want, i want to see it i did get my uh my first process blue jersey and i did go ahead and pull the trigger on a bryce young jersey so i agree nice yeah or at least the new process blue i should say because i have the old process blue but what was it processed blue before? I thought that was what they called it. Before. Well, I guess that's what the color is for Nike or whatever. Yeah, but... yeah that's yeah. Processed blue. That was the that was the original Panthers blue color, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, that's what now, Nike didn't yeah. have when they moved over to Nike. Nike did not have that color, so we got basically teal. So now it's yeah. a little more uh, – it looks a lot more like the original Panthers uh, blue, especially the uh, alternate home jerseys, the all blue. Trying to find that. Uh, yeah, this one is process blue. Yeah. Process blue. Okay. I thought the original idea was to make it closer to what they were uh, – what they had before they moved from Reebok to Nike, John. I could be yeah, wrong. It's, no, that's what it was. No, you're right. I'm just saying, like, it, it was it was a different color before, but they Nike updated their, like, color book of, like, available colors for jerseys. Okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't being an yeah. asshole. <laughs> no, you're right. So, um, but, yeah, I got my first one. It's Bryce Young, so I'm hitching my, my wagon to that. The last jersey I purchased was uh, Tory Smith, and that didn't work out very well. So Well, well that was – that was – that was on purpose. That was on a bet with Billy Marshall. That yeah, that was not that like a wouldn't draft a quarter a quarterback above the third or above the fourth round, which they did in Will Greer. Yeah. Oh. Barely. Yeah, son of a bitch. I'm shocked you lost that one. <laughs> they had Cam Newton still, Jackson. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um. But Will Greer too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh. That's a name from the past. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're coming around to me. I, you know, I guess two things. As far as like the preseason, you know, we're not going to see a lot of the starters and that. But uh, I, I want to see how Matt Coral does. You know, and then you know, see if there's a Matt Coral Jonathan Mingo connection in uh, game one, um, or Terrace Marshall. Um, just you know, I think Matt Coral got a real raw deal. I'm um, getting hurt when he did, and again, he's what a third round pick. I mean, I get he wasn't a real high pick, but I really still think the kid can play. I'm hoping anyway. Um, not that he's gonna make noise on this depth chart, but you know, he could at least be a a, a guy we deal for draft capital, you know, in a year or two. 
hopefully yeah, really he never liked, has to play. <laughs> I really liked him when he came out, so yeah, I do want to see him actually play because he was really bad the one preseason game he played last year. Yeah, which was not fair to him, and then he got hurt. So yeah. Um, and then there's the other thing is just to see that if we can get a pass rush, um, with the depth, um, you know, we won't see the starters. In, well, we won't see Brian Burns in there, but it'll be interesting. To, I, you know, the rest of them might play a good bit just to see who can win. I think that other spot across from him is wide open. Um, you know, uh, Yeter doesn't have that lockdown. And uh, there's a lot of the whole scheming to it as well on, you know, who's over on that side. As you were said earlier, Brian, that Frankie Louvu could drop in there and play uh, the outside linebacker position. Um, uh, Deion Jones, the recent signing, um, same as well. You know, these guys are big enough um, to play that role, you know, for a few downs um, throughout a game. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, no, I think the uh, the outside pass rusher opposite Brian Burns is definitely worth watching in the preseason. Between Amare Barno, Gross Matos, DJ Johnson, I think we'll get a lot of uh, getting to see those guys play because there aren't a whole lot of them on the roster at this point. Um, one last thing I'll touch on because you brought up a really good point, Jackson, um, Matt Corral. Uh, I really hope that they can manage to retain him, um, to be Bryce Young's backup for a while because, and I hate to say it this way, but they're both pretty short and the offense wouldn't change that much if, uh, Matt Corral has to step in and play (laughs) after Andy Dalton's gone. Right. They're very side. I mean, he's a little taller, but, um, they're really about the same size and build. And the games are pretty similar, really. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I don't know if they're going to get any trade value from him, even like, and he's most likely going to play most of the preseason, him and uh, the other quarterback they have, which is... Jake Luton. Jake Jake Luton, Luton. yeah. There you go, John. Way to be on top of it. Um, I knew that they had somebody there, but yeah, I think those two guys are going to play a lot. Um. So, yeah, I think we're going to get to see a lot of Matt Corral and not just, you know, thrown in there with the third and fourth stringers where he's going to get killed like he did last offseason. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I am excited to see Matt Corral play a little bit. I agree with that. So, but it should be fun to watch. We get to see the Panthers play the Jets next Saturday at four o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. And uh, I still have really no idea how many actual starters are going to play, but it'll be nice to see the black and blue out there again. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Yeah. So any other points you guys would like to hit on before we uh, end the show? No, we're about out of time, so I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah? Yep. Well, from all of us here at the CSR Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian joined by John as always and Jackson. Thanks again for coming on as an OG of the show. We really appreciate having you on to shed some insight. Hope hope we can see a good season for the Panthers this year or at least an entertaining one after the last three years. So should be a good time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you guys soon. Tune in. We'll have a bunch of preseason coverage for you. See you. See ya. Keep pounding.